Good morning. That was good. You're awake. So uh, I've come to learn that even when I'm not here, uh, Ian, Pastor Ian, uh, sometimes makes fun of me. And, uh, and that's not fair. So he's not here. So I just would like to highlight something about Ian today. And that is, as we're working through uh, the Beatitudes, did anyone notice that we might be out of order a little bit? Anyone? Oh, shame on you if you don't know. Don't, no one notice that we're out of order today? So what's the first one? Blessed are the born spirit. Got it. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who... Right. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. That was last week. For they will inherit the earth. And then the next one is, uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, I don't, I don't claim to be like a math genius, but if you can count with me, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And then, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Four. So I would just like to point out that Ian asked me to speak on uh, this message today, which is, blessed are the merciful, which is number... So I just want to highlight that perhaps as great a teacher as Ian is, his math may not be very good at all. So just be aware. Just be aware. Keep him on his toes when it comes to that. Uh, we're going to start um, this morning with, with what I think, or at least as, as a young child, yeah, youngish child, was probably one of the greatest movies of all time. How many of you have seen The Karate Kid? <laughs> all right. If you've seen it, put your hand up nice and, nice and high so I can see it. All right. Now, I want you to know that The Karate Kid was not the greatest movie of all time. How many of you would agree? Okay, you're right. The greatest movie of all time was Karate Kid 2. <laughs> because that was epic. I mean, it, they took Karate Kid to a whole new level. So, as we start this morning to talk about uh, Blessed Are the Merciful, I thought, what better way than to show a clip with a bunch of... Uh, Bupkis Karate. So Brianna's going to get it up on the screen for us. So I mean, I don't even know why I have to say anything else because blessed are the merciful if that's not the most clear picture of mercy right there. I mean, it's a fight to the death and Danielson has his hand up and he says, live or die, man. And... And he's like, die, because it's like some honorable thing to die. And he's like, wrong, and he honks him on the nose, and that's it. I mean, if this isn't what Jesus had in mind when he said, blessed are the merciful, I don't know what is. So let's pray. We'll uh, go on with our day, and that's good. Uh, it's funny, because this is, um, this is actually something that happens at the beginning of the movie, and, uh, and again, I don't want to drag this out too long, but it's actually something that uh, Mr. Miyagi does at the beginning of the movie. Uh, when he's fighting someone else and he actually shows mercy to him and he honks him on the nose. I don't know if you remember that part. Uh, so this is Danielson then actually doing the same thing that he's been taught uh, by his master, by his teacher, which is interesting. Um, 
as we read through the Beatitudes, one of the things that just stands out to me uh, so much is, again, as I, as I mentioned earlier, they are, they are so, they seem so upside down. They seem so opposites of the world that we live in. And I strongly believe that they're not upside down. I strongly believe that they are actually the right side up way of living. And we live in an upside down world. And yet because we live in that upside down world, sometimes when we come to the Beatitudes, they just seem so hard to wrap our minds around. And if you think about it, I mean, I just really believe in approaching the scriptures honestly. Um, and so it's great for us to read through and go, oh, yeah, that's great. What have you? But, but if you ask yourself, you know, does this actually work in real life? Is this the way of the world? I can assure you that it is not actually the way of the world. If you go through it, blessed are the poor in spirit. Is that any way to get ahead in life? No, I mean, if, if we were writing this today, if politicians or whoever were writing this today would be, blessed are the bold, blessed are those who get out there and take life by the horns and, and make the most of every situation. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, we, we give a day or two to people, you know, bereavement leave, go to a funeral, have a day, but then it's like, you got to move on because mourning, we don't have time for mourning. Life is short. Let's just get right at her. Uh, blessed are the meek, as Ian talked about last week. That doesn't really make any sense to be meek, to be gentle. We already kind of talked about how it's not about weakness, but it can look like weakness at times. And that's really, you know, is that really a, a practical way to live our lives? And then we get to this verse that blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And for me, sometimes when I, when I read the scriptures, they frustrate me because at least on first reading, sometimes they don't seem true. Do you actually believe that those who are merciful will receive mercy? Do we see that lived out every day in our lives? Or do we see a lot more often those who are merciful, those who are meek, those who are poor in spirit, are the ones that get kind of pushed aside, and those who are taking life by the horns and being bold and, and driving you know, their way through life, those are the ones that get ahead. And even when someone is merciful, sometimes you don't receive mercy in return. Is that not true? Just because we show mercy doesn't actually mean that we will be given mercy in return, at least in terms of one to another here in this world. And what I find to be so frustrating in my own Christian life is that when, when I, well, not when I watch Karate Kid, that's just a silly video, but to play off that a little bit more is the reality is that in my heart, there are many times when my hand, at least in my head, is raised to come down with that blow to exact justice myself. And I don't want to just honk someone's nose and make a joke of it. I want to enact justice myself. I want that hand to come down. I want that justice. Because I know living in this world that sometimes it seems easier to actually just use my power 
or the power that I have to get what I want instead of operating in, in the realm and in the world that Jesus has called me to, and that is to, to be one that is merciful, one that's not going to drop my hand and exact justice myself. And I think another interesting thing about the, this beatitude is that there's a real power imbalance. When we're talking about mercy, um, we are actually talking about power imbalances. Because for the most part, we can't be merciful up. How do we, how do we be merciful to those that are above us? It? Usually it's mercy is moving in a downward direction. Um, it's someone with power, not exercising power on those that have less power. And I think what Jesus is calling us to here, and we'll look at a couple of passages really quickly. But when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Um, he's calling us to something far more deeper than just not exacting a power, not exacting justice, not going after revenge. But what I think he's really calling us to is to a place of compassion. And that, that mercy in this scripture is not just the power imbalance and not, not exacting justice and using our power negatively, but it's actually speaking about our compassion towards one another. In uh, Matthew chapter 9... says, just need to catch it here. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what does your te- why, sorry, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we've got this scene here where Jesus is actually sitting uh, in a house where he probably shouldn't be sitting, at least according to the religious rulers of the day, and he's hanging out with people that he's not supposed to be hanging out with, at least in the opinion of the religious rulers of the day. And, and as he's sitting them, as, with, as he's reclining with them, as he's actually enjoying the company of these quote-unquote sinners and tax collectors, the religious people of the day are calling over his disciples and saying, hey, why is Jesus hanging out with these sinners? And in other places, they even say, Don't, doesn't he know like who they are? Doesn't he know that they're sinners? And Jesus overhears this. I love that Jesus actually overhears things all the time. Um, you, you read that regularly. Jesus overheard what they were saying. He must have had like really good hearing. And he addresses them by saying, it is not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And this scripture verse is a throwback to an Old Testament uh, scripture where a prophet was trying to tell the people of Israel that God is not interested in your meaningless rituals. He's not interested in your meaningless sacrifices. What he's really interested in is he's interested in your relationship with him and your relationship with one another. 
And in, even in that Old Testament passage, what he's, what he's communicating to them is that if all of this is just ritual, if all of this is just routine, if there's no heart in any of it, if your heart is not connected to God in the things that you're going, in, in the rituals that you're partaking in, then it's all meaningless. And actually, it would be even better if you didn't do those things at all. Because what I ultimately desire is I desire to have a relationship with you. I desire that you would love me and that I would be able to love you. And that in return, you would then love others as I have loved you. From the beginning to the end, God has been calling us to a vertical relationship with himself and then a horizontal relationship with everybody else. To love God and to love our neighbor. And I think one of the most powerful things that we can learn from Scripture is, is that Jesus is the great equalizer. That when we come to know Christ, when we come to understand who he is and what he has done for us, we come to the realization that every single one of us is created equal in the eyes of God. Now, don't look at the person right beside you because they're probably one of the people you love the most. But have a good look at the people around you in this room. Do it. Like, don't stare at me. <laughs> is it not, and I'm just going to confess, is it not mind-blowing that that each and every person in this room is 100% equal in the eyes of God. And then expand from this room out to those walking on the streets and to those that are in malls and to those that are in prison and to those that are living in uh, dire straits and those living in poverty and those accused of all sorts of wrong, those in political power, those in religious power, those with no power whatsoever, that each and every human being on the planet is created in the image of God and therefore are created equal. Is that not mind-blowing to you? Because we sure look at one another differently than that. I think this is just a little sort of digression, but I was thinking about it yesterday. I think one of the dangers of social media, and I'll tell you, social media is not bad in and of itself. It's just a tool. It's all about how we use it. But I think one of the dangers of social media, specifically things like Instagram and Facebook and have you, which I use, all of them, is that what happens is we just scroll through people's lives like it's, it, like it's really just, at best, an interest. Maybe, maybe we might stop at one and, and oh, that's, we, you know, click a like button or double click for a heart or something like that. But it was someone in this room who recently posted something, and I won't say who it is. And I, and I actually scrolled past it, and then I went back to it. And I thought to myself, that's worth more than me just flicking my finger by. And I read what had been said, and I actually prayed for that person. Because I realized that, that this is actually how we live our lives in many ways. 
that even as we interact with each other, not even on social media, but even as we interact with each other, it's so easy just to kind of like walk by as if we're just scrolling by each other on Facebook and not actually catch the value and worth and recognize the immense story that each and individual life carries within it. I, just, I don't know about you, but that just gets me so excited. And it changes my perspective when I look at someone and I go, this person is created in the image of God. And therefore, they are the same. They are equal to me. They are created and should be treated with dignity and respect. They have immeasurable value and worth. What a different world we'd live in if we actually looked at people that way instead of just someone in our way. And let me confess, blessed are the merciful. If I am ever convicted, it is when I'm behind the wheel of my car. I'm just being honest. Is anybody, now I'm not, I would never confess to road rage. I would never, I definitely would not confess to road rage. Uh, but I probably regularly have emotional inner dialogues about the stupidity of other people's driving regularly. Regularly. Anyone else on that page? Okay, yeah. Now, I don't have a lot of ability to exact power in those situations. However, I have often dreamed about throwing in the towel on this whole, you know, caring for youth thing and becoming a police officer and exacting power that way. Has anyone else gone, oh, if only I was a cop, I'd chase that guy down and going through that red light and endangering lives and what have you. Because uh, it's, it's, it's innocent. So I'm just confessing, blessed are the merciful. Oh, even in the simple things of getting behind the wheel of a car sometimes when you see someone do something stupid or endanger your life. Oh, those emotions just come up. And I think, I was thinking about sort of on a continuum, and, and again, this is sort of just my own thoughts on this, but feel free, so feel free to disagree. But I was thinking on a continuum, I think being merciful is easiest when there's a clear power imbalance. So in other words, it's not too hard for me to throw some sandwiches in a duffel bag and go and serve the homeless. Because there's a really clear power imbalance there. And so that's, that's pretty easy to be merciful because I just whip up some sandwiches and I go to someone that has obvious need and I you know, give them a sandwich and blessed are the merciful, that's easy. So I think being merciful is easiest when there's a real clear power imbalance. I think the next level is when there is a justice issue concerning others. I think it's hard to be merciful when we see injustice towards other people. And we want to take our power and we want to be able to do something about that. But then I think it gets even harder when we see that there is a justice issue concerning ourselves. If everyone doesn't put up their hand, then I know that you're lying. Has anyone ever felt wrongly accused of something? Everybody. And how we respond to this is also, I think, fully aligns to blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. When I'm personally wrong, man, do I want justice. And then I have to check my heart and I have to check my spirit and decide, what am I going to do with this? Am I actually going to try and enact justice myself? Am I going to try and right this wrong or I'm going to let this be in God's hands? 
sometimes it's a daily experience. But then I'll tell you when I think it's hardest. You might think that it's hardest when it's you. I think the hardest time to be merciful is when the justice issue is concerning those closest to you, those that you love. So I'm pretty sure by the time I've revealed my, not road rage, but internal dialogues as I'm driving, and the following, you'll all have a much lesser opinion of me. But, but I, I just, we have to be honest. So my daughter, you know, she's in uh, grade six. She's kind of that tweenager thing. And, uh, and I, don't know about, I don't know whether you know or not, but, but kids and teenagers aren't always nice to one another. Did you know that? Actually, they can be really, really nasty and mean towards one another. And, and when Ashlyn comes home and she's been hurt by something or what have you, I'll, I'll tell you, the fir- because, I'm a, because I'm a deep, godly Christian man, the first thing that goes through my mind is I'd like to find the individual that, that hurt them and do this. <laughs> like... I just, that's my first reaction is I just want to wring their necks and say, stop being so mean, and especially to my daughter. You're messing with my kid. Uh, and that's my first reaction. Now I'm a youth worker, and I don't, so fear not. Don't call agencies <laughs> reporting me for doing things. That's, it's just what's going on inside. But that's, that's what I feel. Uh, my son plays hockey, and, uh, and he plays in a league right now where there's not supposed to be any body checking. And every once in a while, there's some teenager who I love. I love teenagers. It's my career. Uh, but there's some teenager out there who doesn't follow the rules, and he's going into the boards with elbows up, and he's looking to hurt people. And, and again, you know, if that teenager walked through the doors of the youth center that I work at, I would, re- I would receive them, and I would care for them. I'd love them, and they'd be welcome. But when that kid has just tried to, like, run his elbow through the boards with my son's head and then he skates by the bench my instinct is just to put my arm out and clothesline him so that he'll drop and then I'll look down on him and go stop hitting people because that's that's the instinct it's like I want to exact justice because somehow we have this idea that if somehow we can somehow if we can give back the same negative thing if I can hit you back then you're going to learn your lesson. But I think Jesus calls us to something far, far deeper when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And I don't think, as tempted as I am, I don't think Jesus would put his arm out and clothesline that player. I'll be honest, I haven't figured out what he would do, but I'm still praying about it. I want to show just a a beautiful, beautiful clip. Uh, It is by uh, a filmmaker named Elliot Roche, and I came to know this clip through through a good friend of mine, Uh, and this clip actually played a a pretty significant role in his life. Um, It's absolutely beautiful. We're going to play it. I'm going to come back and share a couple words, and then, um, then we'll wrap up. What does it mean to be a human being? By a psychiatrist here. One day I asked the psychiatrist, what is it that signifies the maturity of a human being? And he said, tenderness. Hmm. 
Tenderness is the way to look at people without judgment. To listen to people without judgment. And that for everyone it's here to just help people discover how precious they are as human beings. Because the heart of the human being is that deepest part where we need to be loved and to love. You see, there's something where those who've not been cluttered up by the desire for power and more knowledge, there's an attraction to love. In the end, life is about relationships, it's connectedness. And building community. Nobody can do anything by themselves, but together. We could have beautiful things. You see, as we enter into relation with someone, the one I thought had no value has become my friend. And there's something about a togetherness, a moment of communion, being well together. Because somewhere we're discovering we are part of a huge human family with cultures and religions very different. But somewhere, this huge human family has flowed from the heart of God and the yearning is that they be one as the Father and I. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Tony Campolo, I heard him say, uh, many, many years ago, he said, to serve the poor is sacrament. We don't use sacrament very often these days, but he said, to serve the poor is sacrament. And the reason he said this is because to serve the poor, to see 
the man or woman who has nothing sitting along the road, something out in front of them, perhaps looking for a handout, looking for something. Tony Campolo said, to serve the poor is sacrament. Because when you get down and you look into their eyes, you see the eyes of Jesus. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. To serve the poor is sacrament. It is to look into the eyes of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful. Questions I leave you with are, do you see other people that are created as equals? Do you see other people as those who have been created in the image of God? When you see other people, do you see the image of God and do you see Jesus in them? And then finally, I would say, do you have an end of the story view when Jesus makes all things new and right. So interesting that at the end of the Beatitudes, at the end of this specific passage, he says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It shouldn't be lost on us that Jesus rounds out this teaching, and I'm not rounding it out. We've got many more Beatitudes to look at, but it's, It's not lost on me that Jesus rounds it out at the end by saying, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Because when he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy, he wasn't saying, If you're merciful now, people will be merciful to you now. But what he was saying was, If you choose to show mercy, if you choose to see my image, your equal in every human being, there will come a time, there will be a day when you are shown mercy. And for me, that's, that's enough. The struggle is there. The struggle is how do we continue to live out with our agency, with our power? How do we use it for good? But when we are, when we are in those moments when, when we can choose to use our power for either good or evil, to exact justice or to show mercy, Jesus calls us to show mercy. To serve the poorest sacrament because we are looking into the very eyes of God.